knowing in your heart of hearts that divinity's got your back. Like, yeah. if you have that desire, the opportunity for that thing will exist. That's like the first step of what I call the monk mindset method is knowing what you want and establishing the destination of that desire. Because as soon as you have a desire, every opportunity for that desire to come into existence is there. The only limit is in the mind. When we have these limited mindsets, when we when we are when we're the only one that's stopping ourselves to actually move in the direction that's going to improve our quality of life so that we can help others. It's really simple. Once you know what you want, you just ask yourself what behaviors do I have to consistently commit to? And it's just a matter of time. Before we jump into this episode, I'd love to invite you to join this candid spiritual community to hear more conversations that will help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. All I want you to do is click on that subscribe button because I love your support. I love seeing all the comments pouring through, all the love pouring through, and we're just getting started. I can't wait to go on this journey with you, whether you're a spiritual seeker or you're just curious about the topic. And we really hope that our conversations will provide you food for thought and inspiration for your own spiritual journey. So join us for honest, candid discussions about spirituality for soul's sake. Hello and welcome to another episode in Joshua Tree. We're still here. We are at Bhakti Fest and I have the privilege of being joined by former monk, but now owner of several successful businesses. He's amazing in all different facets. He's got the looks, he's got the voice, he's got the wife, he's got the money, he's got everything going for him and he's a spiritualist. That's the most incredible part. So strap yourselves in. It's going to be an incredible episode with the one and only Adu. Thanks so much for being here. So grateful to be with you. No, it's One great honor. In the world. Honor and privilege to be with you. Let's get stuck in. You have proved that being a spiritualist doesn't need to be austere. You don't need to be someone that uh, can't drive a nice car, can't wear clothes. You know, you can wear clothes that aren't ripped, basically. You know, it's, it's nice to have a good hairstyle, haircut. And it's things that I get still heat for now. You know, being a bhakti practitioner, being someone that tries to be a spiritualist, but at the same time, doesn't present himself in a scruffy way, I hope. Do I look okay? Yeah. Well, tell me about that. How have you kind of dealt with that? How, how you... beautiful you are? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, um, I, as somebody who wore tethered clothes, I was, as you mentioned, a monk. I lived six months a year in India, the other six in the U.S. And where we met, I would travel through the U.K. many other places. Um, and I had one wardrobe which was orange. Never had to worry about what color I was wearing. Just Beautiful. threw some robes on, one size fits all. Even the hidden yeah. robes. It's unreal. <laughs> and uh, yeah, robes, some had holes, some had this, that, the other. And, you know, I, I even most of my life had no, nothing to my name. You know, I didn't grow up without. My parents always did their best to, you know, put food on the table. And I'm eternally grateful for everything they've done. And we never, there was no, uh, it wasn't much luxury, let's put it that way. Everything okay. was like, just enough to get by. And I became a monk on my 18th birthday, which is what most 18-year-old men do. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Celibacy. Yeah. yeah. I won't buy into that. 18-year-olds, yeah. 18 -year yeah. <laughs> Literally on my 18-year-old birthday because they wouldn't let me move in earlier. It was a liability. And so, <laughs> you know, and I went until I was 22, my whole life not having really much of anything. And so I know what that's like, and I'm, I kind of have a taste for renunciation. I like minimalism, simple, et cetera, but I, I also like quality of life. I like quality of life more than I like renunciation, especially artificial renunciation. And so for me, what I realized after being a monk for years and then 
Try artificial that. renunciation. Artificial. You just said something there that kind of clicked something. Artificial renunciation. Define that for me. Sure. So it's the idea of giving up something that could otherwise be used to benefit yourself and others. So you're giving something up that otherwise could be engaged or mm. utilized in the betterment of others. I mean, I always preface by saying, if I'm saying the betterment of others, if we're talking about serving others, a drowning lifeguard can't save anyone, but a strong lifeguard can save many. So in that same idea is whenever I'm talking about improving the quality of life of other individuals, it always starts with making sure you're taken care of, which is something I neglected as many spiritualists listening here might have had some experience in their life. Like service means give, 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 and then I'll, I can't, I haven't eaten properly, I haven't sleep, sleep yeah. properly, and just neglected all biological needs. Assuming you're taken care of from that place uh, serving, as opposed to just getting rid of stuff that could otherwise be beneficial. Typically, that's uh, how I've understood artificial renunciation. What's the line though? Because like, see for example, I know what I need to function mm -hmm. and that's taken trial and error. I need a good eight hour sleep. I need to be sleeping in a clean place that's got air conditioning. You know, I can't yeah. rough it. I could when I was 18, 19, 20, but now I'm 32. It's only 12 years apart, but still I feel like I can't do that same level of renunciation. It's always adapting and changing. How can someone who's listening today know what is artificial renunciation and what's true renunciation for them well it's interesting no one can benefit doing it or maybe there's some benefit to doing temporary no one thrives in that situation you are just brilliant enough to know that like it doesn't work everyone else that's the situation however you just know i need that um you have that awareness there usually the way i i would encourage anyone is you always start with the needs i don't care who you are doesn't matter where in the world you are, doesn't matter what culture, doesn't matter what gender, doesn't matter what background, you have needs that need to be met, specifically eating, sleeping, um, utilization of what we might overgeneralize as sexual energy or creative energy, um, which if that's not utilized properly, we all know what happens. Dangerous. Very dangerous. And then, uh, as I say, defending or just making sure that you're sheltered. So sheltered. You, you need to eat, and not just eat, but you got to eat food that you can digest in a way that gives you energy. Not just McDonald's, ladies and gents. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for better or for worse mm. you got to sleep you know and some people that's you know some people are proud like i only need a couple hours of sleep i'm like well there's enough data now that we understand that you are the less you sleep practically the less you live mm. over time um so even if you can do it probably better you don't yeah. you know like i can eat a penny i can function on a but penny. better i don't you know what i'm saying and in the same way you got to have some shelter that you know the door locks. <laughs> You're not constantly in anxiety like what predator is going to attack me. Um, and you have to have some utilization of the sexual energy. As long as those things are taken care of, which can be very simple in terms of, yeah, sleep your eight hours, eat two to three meals that you can digest that give you energy. If you're like, is this good for me? How do you feel after? It's pretty simple and straightforward. Um, ideally in a way that doesn't cause harm or violence to others. Find a partner. Don't be going around like an animal. I'm making it sound really easy. Yeah, yeah. Touche. <laughs> okay, that part, I mean, the other two, that's within your control. The other two in one sense. That's yeah. within your Most control. people can, like even in today's day and age, you can find cheap, accessible meals that aren't nutritious. Would yeah. you agree with that? I mean, and if you can't, you go get a couple seeds and then wait a month. Oh, yeah. Go, go get a couple seeds. Yeah. I mean, maybe a couple more than months. <laughs> but it's like, you know, the cool thing with... Uh, Let's just say a nonviolent diet, which 
all bodies are going to digest better. Right. Because it's lighter foods. Uh, That's a good place to start. Nonviolence. Yeah, nonviolence is 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 is. I mean, obviously, one can say, oh, you know, an apple tree feels pain if you pick the apple off. Yeah, but it's going to drop the apple anyway. You don't kill the tree. Yeah. The apple. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, without going to that rabbit hole, just yeah. to name that. Yeah, food. It's it's accessible, and if you're really like, it's just an excuse to say, oh, I can't afford organic. It's like you ain't going to the right place. Or grow it yourself. If you're really like, if you really got to do it, grow it yourself and get a couple of seeds. How much does that cost? Give it a little time. Um, eating and sleeping, these things are within your control. Those have to be controlled. Even with sexual energy, even if it's, if you're struggling to find a partner, which is the case in our lives. I mean, yeah. myself and yourself, I think uh, I could speak for you as well to say we're outrageously fortunate to have partners that are super loving and that you know, feel super great. I love you, Davey. Um, priority points, priority points. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, I, uh, you know, that, but that's, at least according to the ancient yoga literature, it's mentioned that one should not just be depleting one's vital force uh, aimlessly, because that's what animals do. Mm-hmm. In the human form, we have the blessing. We have this cool prefrontal cortex, which allows us to ask questions and have recursive language, where I could say, I went to Joshua Tree to go to Bhakti Fest to sing in some kirtan. Uh, we're the only ones that do that. We're at least on this particular planet Earth. Probably not in the universe. I don't think so. Well, dolphins. Uh, do dolphins do that? I heard they're smart. They're smart, but they don't have recursive language. Aha. Uh-huh. So in the ability to... So in the same way as there might... There's all sentient animals and living entities can communicate in different ways. But the thing that's interesting about us is we have this ability to ask questions. Again, this, you know, the particular C-fiber neurons that allow us to ask questions wow. and have... Uh, as opposed to one thought, let's just say everyone might have a pet and say, "My dog." I, they look at me like with so much gratitude. It's like they can express themselves, but it's not like I'm grateful because not only did you feed me that day, but you also fed me the day before, and I really appreciated that particular meal because of this. Re- that's recursive. That's us exactly. That's us. That's human beings, and so because we have that unique ability, um, the idea then is to engage that propensity as a human as opposed to being in the animal kingdom. And the same thing then goes for shelter. And again, one might say, oh, what about people who don't have access to clean food? What about people who don't have access to sleep at nights too loud? What about, sure, that's a very unfortunate situation. We can get into that and talk about the cosmic uh, corrective programming called karma. But someone like that would struggle to find a stable spiritual place of growth, right? Because until your needs are met, it's like, how can you think of anything else? Um, the, uh, the ancient yoga literature starts one particular called the Vedanta Sutra says, Atatu Brahma Jigyasa in Sanskrit, Atato, Atta Atta, literally means therefore. Now, therefore what? Why would it start with the word therefore? It means therefore now that you're reading this because you're a human being that can read and that can understand the literatures. Atatu Brahma Jigyasa, inquire about that which is spiritual because now you don't just have to have your needs met like the animals. You actually get this opportunity. If you're reading this verse, it means you've got to the point where you exactly. could understand this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so in that same idea is that they encourage us, get your needs met. Everyone can do that. Start there, get those needs met, and then you can actually, Ramajig is inquire, jignasa, or in Sanskrit, it's jnasa. Yeah. Jnana, it's, it's where the Sanskrit goes into the Greek gnosis, which everyone's read this term, maybe agnostic, this term, which really means I don't know, uh, gnos, which then comes into English, knowledge. Anyway, same root. Rabbit hole. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't get me started. But in that same way, we get our needs met, 
everyone should start with covering those bases so as you so eloquently expressed, then one can actually go to spirit. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm like Govinda said, I am drinking from the Kool-Aid, so I fully agree. And I think that, see, the thing is for me is that most people get stuck on the needs and just pursue those that let me work so that I can get a shelter or let me earn this much money so that my partner will respect me. Let me eat this much, you know, in such a way. Let me eat the finest vegan cuisine so everyone knows I'm eating the best in organic produce. But ultimately, it's not about, you know, trying to impress others. It's not about trying to just get to that point of just, okay, now you're a human being. You know, now you've met your needs. What's next? That question has to come from every, for every single human being at some point or another, whether that's early on at a young age when you're blessed. That's the blessing, really. If you're young and inquiring about spirituality, that is a serious blessing. You can't pass that up as just being chance and blessed by, you know, parents that have nurtured you and cared for you, a community, even if you're not close with your parents. Your community has nurtured you in such a way where you feel stable enough to inquire about these deep, meaningful conversations and, and questions. So if you can get it when you're young, that's a blessing. But at some stage or another, every human being has to come to a point where they go, is this it? It can't just be eating, sleeping, mating, defending. There has to be something more. And so um, you went from youth as a monk, did it for four years, to then now going beyond, you met your needs, and now one would say you are thriving would you say thriving? Is that a word? I would say I'm fortunate. Fortunate. And I I mean, I don't disagree with the term thriving. Yeah. But, you know, that's such a subjective term. Sure. Whereas I, I mean, fortunate is, but I, I, I am grateful to be in the position I am, which took quite a deal of work, but uh, I feel very fortunate. Yeah. And I guess that's also, we can't pass that up because I think a lot of people go, ah, it's in his karma. <laughs> if somebody told me, this was in my stars, I'd be like, well, why didn't it happen before I put all this hard work into it? You know what I mean? I mean, and one, you know, but here's the thing is, even if people put it to karma, yeah. I'm sure you get it. Oh, Radhika does. He's so, he's so blessed. He got so lucky. It's like, I've seen this guy work. <laughs> you know, there's I'm definitely, tired, bro. yeah, right. You know, and I'm like, well, where was it before? But karma literally coming from the word kri, the root, Sanskrit means action is every action has a corresponding reaction. So similarly, you and I put the karma, put the work, put the action into getting where we're at today, which everyone can be in a fortunate situation. It's not like you and I are fortunate because we just wandered into... I mean, sure, we're fortunate. There's an element of it. A can't also look over that. Um, there is an sure. element, yeah. For sure. We, we, I mean, we were born in places where we had a lot more free will, than, or at least the ability to express our free will. The more Definitely, there's obviously... Situations that are going to be more favorable towards, say, advancement in spiritual life than others. And absolutely, I, I don't encourage the idea of neglecting that. I just mean to say that the situation, I'll speak for myself, the situation I'm in, everyone I've ever met could be in a situation, if not more. Actually, I'm quite lazy. I'm like, my job is teach me able to do it. And everyone always like, goes past me because I'm just like, yeah, I don't feel like going so hard into this. But people are ambitious. Like living a life that we want, it's actually very simple. Anyone can do it. I was just talking, this young guy mm -hmm. reached out to me and he was very enthusiastic and he was just like, oh, dude, I, I know you're good with like business stuff. And he was like, just tell me anything to do. Like, I just need to make some money. Like, I want to make, I want to like start with making a bunch of money. Just tell me what to do. I'll like do anything. So as like a test, I said, uh, it was, it was messaging. And I said, 
Go learn code for free online. There's a bunch of free things online. You can get a starting salary for like close to six figures, multiple six figures in some cases. Just learning code. And he was like, that's a lot of hard work. Right. I, don't really want I was like, exactly, but own that. Be like, I don't want to do the work that's going to allow me the life that I want. As long as you take that personal responsibility, we're good. Just like for years, I suffered, you know, and I could have said, oh, what could be done? This is my karma. And unfortunately, I did. Definitely those thoughts used to creep in. Um, but what happened was, yeah, so after being a monk for a little over four years, um, I graduated the monastery and became a normal person. Very beautiful. Um, and for two years, I ran around the world like a headless chicken, serving. And I think a lot of spiritualists will relate with this idea of like, serving means just going and just giving your... Serving means to suffer. Suffer, yeah, right? They're like... They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if I deserve it, it means at my own expense. And that's for sure what I did. Yeah. I was racking in like a solid 18K a year working my butt off. And even like that was coming from like in the year, like two weeks of like pretty good donations. <laughs> Other than that, it was, it was, it was, Sad. we were rationing zucchinis, like no joke. Rationing, rationing zucchinis. zucchinis. Yeah, I remember, what a life. Like, I remember we kind of have like this. <laughs> my half smaller than your half. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was like, that was our thing. Like, this is our lunch, you know, we, we eat this with our rice and our beans. And um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I still feel grateful for that point in my life. But uh, feeling like, oh, you know, what, what, when will my karma change? But then what happened was, it was a breakthrough. You do India pyramids, which is so awesome. We're going to be hopefully there at the same time. And um, what happened was, I asked myself the question one day, how can I just make a little, I need some money. Like I'm struggling. My poor wife, well, wife now, you know, girlfriend. Now say a girlfriend at the time. Um, I would come, you know, see her, and I was like, wasn't even spending time with her. It was just like her, like nurturing me back to life after just exhausting myself traveling. And uh, I was like, I gotta figure out how to do this. So I just thought to myself, what, what do I know I could do with my eyes closed? Like, what am I great? I'm like, okay. Lived in India. I know I could lead people around India. Been part of a bunch of pilgrimages. Helped. I've like pretty much done them and like on behalf of other people. Like I know how to do this. Mm. So I was like, let me just try it. I was so scared and it took me months to even decide. But as soon as, as, soon as I decided, in the two weeks of my first India pilgrimage ever, I made more in those two weeks than I made in a whole year. <laughs> and I made like over $20,000. And then at that point, something shifted. I was, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm in control of my life. Like I was just, my fears were, were stopping me. And I always would justify it as many spirit, spiritualists about this idea. Like, oh, if I take money, I'm not leaving. Are you kidding me? It's funny. You know, unfortunately, we take too many economic classes, at least here in the West. It's like scarcity. Scarcity mindset. Yeah, not enough. It's like wrong. Look up. You know, I always like to say, we're talking about God. We're talking about the highest power. If you don't believe in a high power, go spend all time in the sun. We're in the desert now. Give me... Give me 30 minutes in the sun, just stand there. Tell me I ain't no higher power than you. We live next to the ocean in you know, Southern California. I'm like, you don't believe in higher power? Go to the ocean. Tell me tell me how long you can hang on the ocean without like, okay, there's power is higher than me. We're just talking about the highest of those powers. The idea that the highest of those powers, divinity, is limited in resources, what they can't like, they can't give you a little extra. This idea that there's, you know, you could lock up as much gold as you could possibly find and put it in the bottom of the ocean never re never be recovered again mm -hmm. and other precious commodities and metals will come up the next day people will find twice as much there is no limit the only limit is in the mind when we have these limited mindsets when we when we are 
when we're the only one that's stopping ourselves to actually move in the direction that's going to improve our quality of life so that we can help others. Not just because... I like that caveat. Yeah, I'm like... Pretty cool. I, yeah, I, was like about, I was about to, I was about to challenge you. I was yeah. about to go, here we go. It's getting a bit materialistic up in here. Uh, you know, scarcity mindset. You know, like it's, yeah. it was getting really like, yeah, yeah, you can do it, put your mind to it. But then you kind of went, but you use it to serve others. And I think that for me is where the game changes, that if you do achieve something in your life, let it not just be about the nearest and dearest in your closest vicinity, but let me open my heart to go, how can I benefit the lives of others? Not just by showing them how they can be stable in eating, meeting, sleep, or what's called eating, yeah. eating, eating, sleeping, <laughs> eating, sleeping, mating, eating, and defending. Yeah. But let me use what I've got to get them beyond that platform yeah. so that they can see that there's more to life. You know? And I think that that's like, that's been one of my life's anchors that yes, things are going nicely from the external point of view. But then what do I do with that niceness? You know, what do I do with that fortune? What do I do with that blessing? Ultimately is what determines the character of a person. Because you know, really bro, people will never, ever, ever remember what you accumulated in your life. You know, people, on, you get to go to a funeral speech, how many people go, they achieved a flat screen TV, a million cool gigabyte car. MB3, yeah. you know, a cool car, like, you know, who cares about it? They'll talk about how you made them feel. No one cares what you have, no one cares what you know, but people always remember how you made them feel. And so I think that that kind of, for me, spirituality came, came at a loggerheads when I started to see success because I was like, what do I want to do with this now? What do I want to do? My, my parents have been really kind to me. They've given me a leg up and it means that I can do this life. Like I don't have to work a nine to five where I'm, but then what do I want to do with that? What do I want my voice to, to give to the world? What I want to live for? Why were you given this gift in the first place to be in this situation? So do I just want to live to make a living, you know? Exactly. Do I want to live to make a living or do I want to live to make a life? And not only a life for myself, but a life for others as well. And there's been so much beauty along that path of you also. Yeah, I mean, it's almost an obligation. It's yeah. like if you have it and you don't give it, it's like where's the integrity? Do you also think people that don't have it should also give it? Well, in the, question, proportion, the proportion. question then is, how do we qualify somebody who doesn't have it? Because I've yet to have met anyone who, does, who doesn't have the ability to uh, possibly impact someone's life. Again, the only thing that would limit someone improving the quality of life of someone else is one's own personal negative beliefs. I'm not good enough. I can't. I, which is a very atheistic idea. The idea that I have nothing to give, which equates to I have no intrinsic value. If you actually understand that you're... You're a unit of consciousness, a.k.a. soul, spirit. I don't care what term you give it. You are a you driving a biomechanical body, a.k.a. you know robot, a biomechanical robot. That real you, that unit of consciousness that's driving around the body, which is why I say this is my hand, my hair, my eye. I don't say this is an eye hand, I my have. eye. You know, we say this is my hand. Because, you know, and if I lose the hand, am I less of a person? No, because the real person, the me, this unit of consciousness, the soul, I'm just driving around this body. I'm driving around... I have a mind that's within this vehicle um, that changes. If we understand that intrinsically we are this unit of consciousness, we're, we're soul, we're, we then want to understand what's our source. Okay, we're connected to something bigger. That's another conversation we can get into. Then we understand I have intrinsic value. I am a soul unlike any other living entity that's ever lived and will ever live. That, my friends, is intrinsic value. And if we understand that, then we can know that, okay, I've been given certain innate gifts certain quality. I mean, even someone might say, I don't have any gifts. Even someone might say, oh, I'm mute. I can't give. 
There's always something we There's can do. Value. There's always some way we can bring value because if you've learned anything in your life, then you can then learn someone else who is in that situation. And if that's that's where everyone should start anyway. Sorry to shit on you guys. I'm not a big fan of shooting, but it's like that's where everyone should start. It's like do some do for others that were in a situation you were five years, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever you've been able to help yourself through, which means really others have helped you through, focus on that and help people who are in that situation. And then eventually you realize like, oh, it's just the mind. It's just the mind that's keeping it's, that's keeping me small, which is why I focus so much on mindset. Even with my businesses, it was like, as we all these business, I'm like, this is stuff you go on YouTube. You'll find a lot of, you'll find all the sales funnels. <laughs> You know, it's like, but the mindset, that's really where the magic happens. And I attest all of that knowledge to the Vedic paradigm and uh, philosophy that you and I have been, maybe our greatest fortune is that we have access to this almost seemingly unlimited knowledge that comes from the Vedic platform. You make being happy look pretty easy. <laughs> is that just by nature? That's how you are. I am a... Well, you work hard at it. Growing up my whole life, to give you an idea of how shy I was, kid you not, I call my mom, she'll, she'll attest right now. When somebody would knock on the door, ring the doorbell, I would go hide. Really? And to be around people, I was very antisocial up until about uh, like 13 or so is when I started coming. Like never had friends, never had, just very much to myself, played Legos, like just wanted to like learn things and put things together my whole life. And what happened was in high school, I started to branch out a little bit, but still it was just like, crippling social anxiety. And then when I became a monk, as an 18-year-old, one of my services would be to go out to universities and share transcendental literatures to students. And uh, it's- You do books. Books as a monk. Yeah. As a shy monk. As a shy, well, I didn't have this. I mean, beyond it, this sounds, uh, I'm being a little dramatic when I say this, but I didn't have a choice. They were like, this is just service. Yeah, bro. Like, and the idea there was not ever to push you so far, so far outside of your comfort zone that it would break you, but like, push past the barriers of the mind so they put me out on uh, they give me the service of going out and introducing transcendental literature it's a good start isn't it you know it for works. Like, so, see this is also the hang up a lot of people find about quote unquote when we say sir we mean sharing we mean being generous and giving gifts that uplift people's consciousness right let's give a little context but when we when when we tell people yeah go out and serve go out and give the first question that i normally get met with is i don't know where to start and sometimes the best place to start is in a little discomfort with going, what do I think I would like to do, but I'm not good at right now? And, you know, whether it be, I'd like to be a speaker of spirituality. I'd like to be a, a lover of other people. I want to be feeding other people, but I haven't got any of those skills. There's other people that have, you know, go out and just be with them. Because here's, here's an analogy that really always gets me. If you want to get honey from a flower, whatever, the nectar from a flower, right? Imagine you've got a lotus flower. You could either take that flower, put it into a, um, what do they call it, a pestle and mortar. Do you get that in the States? Pestle and mortar. You get it in pestle and mortar and you, you grind it up and maybe you try and do it that way or you boil the flower and you try and, I don't know, evaporate the water or something like that. But the easiest way is to go and find the honeybees and just hang out with the honeybees. They're going to be near honey all the time. In the same way, if you want to imbibe a quality of service, of spiritual consciousness, of um, sharing and loving, etc., you know, these are all lofty. And in one sense, when people hear them, they're like, this is too woo for me. Like, Radhika, get, give me a break. I'm just trying to figure out my life right now. I'm, I appreciate that. But from whatever platform you're in right now, just go and associate with honeybees. 
find a honeybee, someone you admire, someone that you know is doing something good for the world, that you appreciate, that you value, and just spend time with that person. And in that association, in that, what do you call it, in that unity even, you'll start picking up little things. I wasn't, I, me with a microphone, like, you know, I'm in the same boat as you. I was a shy Indian kid, man. Like, there's no way I'd, I'd dream of doing this in, in my adulthood. But spending time with people that really know how to do this, I'm by no means perfect. I admired the people that I hung out with, the honeybees I hung out with, to be able to get the nectar, to be able to get the quotes, to be able to get the little nuggets and moments and, you know, intuitiveness to be able to share in a way that I feel I'm really living my dharma, by my, my uh, duty right now. Would you agree with that? Yeah, the, I, I always like that saying, show me your friends, it'll show you your future. Because even statistically, you are the most like the five people you spend the most time with. And so in that same way, if the process of just associating, you know, the osmosis of just being in proximity, you pick up those qualities and those characteristics. And then, you know, and to your question about the happiness, that's what happened, mm-hmm. is by going out and by stepping outside of my comfort zone, which growth happens in your comfort zone, right? Wrong. Uh, <laughs> rebirth. Not going to work. We... You know, stepping outside your comfort zone and then associating with people who actually have that quality. And that was probably the most attractive thing for me is when I started hanging out with people who practice this bhakti tradition uh, and especially the monks. I was like, whatever you got, I I would like a bite of that. And that's what got me inclined. And then as if magically, just by spending time, I kind of broke out of my shell because even though I'm quite naturally shy and bashful and I still get a little overstimulated and overwhelmed in social environments, people don't even know. Took my the joke for friends that get to know me, even my wife took her like a year, is they always go, All right, you can like stop smiling now. And then like a week later, like, all right, tone it down. And like a month later, like, you're still gone? <laughs> like after a year, they're like, Oh my god, are you I, like this? I mean, just to, to put it out that I've never seen this guy upset. Like I've known him for a, a long time now, and he's always okay. smiling, always joyful, always bubbly, always got cool things to say. Always good entertainment value, and so <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, and then who gets the credit for that? I, I get some credit for, yeah, doing my part. But who really gets the credit is those who I imbibe these principles from. You know, lifted me up. Well, I mean, how could I own this? Like, I didn't. This is not me. People who know me. My are like, yeah, this is not the Madhu I've always known. Um, these qualities have been practiced and imbibed. It's the easiest thing to do, right? Like, you know, when people are like, I want to be more spiritual. The first thing I say is not to buy a mala, not to buy a Gita, not to go out and change your diet. Just go and associate with people who are spiritually minded. Well, the pudding's in the tasting. I always like to say if people have any challenges, then I'm like, all right, go do it for a month. Let me know. Yeah, go hang out with spiritual people for one month. And yes, here's the thing. You might find that you don't like them. You might find that actually in that association, it's not your jam, it's not your vibe. But that doesn't mean that everyone's like that. Because there's so many spiritual cliques. Uh, even in the world of bhakti and even in Krishna bhakti, right, which is the same tradition that we both come from, there are so many cliques. Like, there's monks that really believe in books and selling books. There's those that, like myself, that are all about kirtan and chanting, 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 chanting until you're blue in the face, chanting, chanting, chanting. There's people that only talk about food and just be like, that's my vibe. So just go and move to another clique. You know, there's just so many. There's a house built in this bhakti community or in the spiritual communities, there's a house built with rooms in which every single person can find a place. And I fully believe that. Like That's a big claim to make. I think the whole world can find their place, even those who love guns. Totally. No? <laughs> I mean, even those who fill in the blank. Yeah. Even those who fill in the blank. Because why would, 
why would an all-powerful, all-loving divine source restrict us from having the opportunity of like-minded association that will uplift us? Here's the cool thing. An all-loving divine creator would want to give us all opportunities to advance our spiritual life. And if they're also all-powerful, which conveniently is, <laughs> triple OG, um, <laughs> not only would divinity want to, but divinity also has the power to do it. So therefore, the idea that we don't have a clique, we don't have a spirit, like-minded spiritual community, uh, yet another limiting belief. There's no proof of that. Mm. Even you know, One might have experience with counterfeit, and they think, oh, see, there's no real money. Eh, no, you just met some counterfeit. You met, and what to speak of, maybe it's just some old money. Even if you didn't meet counterfeit, you must, you know, I say that in, in relating to, even if you're not meeting bogus spiritualist or whatever you might do in counterfeit, even if it's not your clique, but they're legit spiritualists, that's fine. Go find other legit spiritualists that you can relate with. Mm-hmm. And and knowing, knowing in your heart of hearts that divinity's got your back. Like yeah. if you have that desire, the opportunity for that thing will exist. That's like the first step of like all the monk mindset method is knowing what you want and establishing the destination of that desire. Because as soon as you have a desire, every opportunity for that desire to come into existence is there. An example might be, do you? I don't know if you'd have this in the UK. You ever heard of punch buggy before? Anyway, it's it's when you it's when you're driving and punch there's buggy. little little buggies. I don't even. Know. I mean, Both let me just paint the picture for what I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking like golf cart buggy, and you drive past people and you punch them. <laughs> I like punch that game buggy. too. I like that game too. But uh, punch buggy in the West. Hopefully, some listeners will. What you do is when you're driving, if you see a, I think it's a Volkswagen bug. Beetle, yeah. Beetle, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, what they do is if you see one, you get to like punch your sibling or your friend in the car. It's like buggy. Uh, punch buggy. So I wasn't far up with the violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely some violence. Anyway, I like, I, I say that as a. We call it's it yellow bus in the UK. Yellow bus? No. <laughs> but you get to punch yeah. it as a yellow bus. I'm sorry, sister. Yeah, yeah, I know. My four siblings and friends. Um, Fortunately, that was before all the mixed martial arts, so it didn't oh. hurt. It didn't hurt much. Um, <laughs> what happens is when you're fixed on buggies, all you see is buggy. Where another example might be, I don't know, give it cars, but it's like as soon as you get a new car, I remember when I you know, got my car. Exactly. You're like, oh, Wow, everyone else seems to have the same car. The car's really there the whole time. You've just now trained your mind to actually watch for the opportunities. The, the thing existed the whole time. The only thing that shifted was your perspective, which to your really great point is that as soon as you have that desire and as soon as you get in touch with it, like, this is what I want, then you create the opportunity to see that thing existing in real life so that you can actually go for it. And it's really simple. Once you know what you want, you just ask yourself, what behaviors do I have to consistently commit to? And it's just a matter of time. Like my number one job is not to convert people to chanting, is to grow desire in the heart for people to chant. Like I'm not trying to get people to forcibly take up a practice. I'm just giving it to them in such a way that it's attractive enough for them to go, I think I might try that more. And I think that that's any spiritual leader, speaker, orator, coach, mentor, whatever, guru, etc., it's not about forcing people into a particular practice by just rigidly, you know, uniform, you know, just this is the way you should be. This is how you eat, sleep, da-da-da-da-da. You know, this is the rules and regulations. It should be more about here's the practice, grow your taste. You know, what 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 practice do you have taste in? Yeah, and finding a way to engage one's unique psychophysical nature. Right. I always like to say fourth force is atheistic. So atheistic, God doesn't even force you. He gives you free will so you can do whatever the heck you want. Yeah. Even he is like, yeah, 
do as you please. And he creates every opportunity for whatever you decide to do. There's always some opportunity for that thing. So the idea is if you're trying to play God and, and a bad God that is a forceful God, which is not an all caring God, which isn't God, um, <laughs> isn't our, isn't the divine source, whatever name you so desire to choose. The idea that we force is if it don't work for him, it don't work for me. Mm. And it's just, it's not going to work for anyone because we are agents of free will. We are going to do what we want to do anyway. So as you mentioned, the idea is how do we make, how do you give logical understanding of why these practices are beneficial? And sure, there's, I mean, sure, it comes from the oldest philosophy in the world. Sure, it comes from the oldest written down literatures in the world. Sure, people have been doing this for tens of thousands of years, at least that we know potentially longer. Like there's a lot of reasons that give it validity. But the main thing you gave the example of honey. It's like you talk about how good honey is all day, but as soon as you're like actually taste the honey, you're like, wow, this is delish. And in that same way is how do you present what's benefited our life so deeply? Like the goal of our life has come from our experience in kirtan and chanting. How do we then give that gift that's been given to us to others so that they go, that makes sense. Let's do it. And not only does it logically make sense on the discerning, on the Sanskrit, we have the buddhi or the discerning ability, but also the manasa, which is the, sub, the subconscious mind, the, the emotional mind as well. It's like, how do we relate in an emotional level where it's like, wow, this feels good and it makes sense. If you just do it because it feels good, no bueno. If you don't have feelings, it's just heady, eh, it's going to get dry. Sentiment. Sentiment. Yeah. It's like, it's, if it's just sentiment, it ain't going to work. If it's just philosophy, it ain't going to work. You have to have like, it has to make perfect sense and be like, your heart's into it. And you are, my friend, a great example of someone who does just that. Oh. I love how well you make Octi accessible. It's probably why we're so close too, because I kind of like doing the similar type of thing. Might not be as good, but no, it's, on my it's way. better. And um, yours is better. No, yours is better. Uh, <laughs> Well, the cool thing is no better because we're back to back. You know, that's the cool thing with Bhakti too is it's like we know there is no competition. Like there's nothing to compete for. We're all, we all are in this for the same thing. We are back to back doing everything we can to help each other change the lives of others and change not only improving their quality of life to get their needs met, but actually give them the taste that you and I have been so blessed, so fortunate to receive. And that is accessibility to these spiritual practices. Chanting being the foremost because sound carries count. Sound carries consciousness, and just like in this podcast, if an ambulance drove by right now, everyone would go. I very much doubt that, but yeah, they won't. Not in the middle of nowhere here, but if it whatever you know, some sound drop, everyone's mind gets dropped, which is why you use an alarm clock, not an oil diffuser, to wake up in the morning because sound, out of all the senses, catches catches the mind. So that's why when we chant, and we say these 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 uh, divine names out loud. Not only is it fun because everyone likes music 100 humans um but there, there's there's a sense that the mind is just so much easier for the mind to actually grab onto this mantras and then understand divine communion through sound you know transcendence for the price of a song that's kirtan and that's a tagline right that transcendence. child can do it transcendence for the price of a song that's what i want to call this that's our new we're gonna make a song together we're gonna make a song called transcendence is the price of transcendence for the price of a song for the price of a song let me sit on that one for a Let's do some quick fire questions. Are you ready for these? Yes, sir. One word, one sentence where possible, but these are really not quick fire. They're like medium fire, if you can call them that. But let's give it, we'll give it our best shot, all right? Okay, question number one. What's something that you're curious about right now in your life? How to use 
artificial intelligence to infiltrate the homes of people who otherwise would never access the spiritual content. Talk to me later. I've got an idea. Deal. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> I'm threatening you. Uh, question, <laughs> question number two. What's something you're personally working through at the moment? My mother had a stroke a year ago and lost her vision and the right side mobility. And uh, grieving the relationship with my mother that I didn't have before, where I now get the fortune of taking care of her in a way that she took care of me when I was a baby. Um, but that's been terribly challenging and difficult. I mean, just as a change of tone, I want to ask every single person that's listening to this right now to take a moment to pray for Madhu's mom, that she comes to the best health that is possible in this lifetime and that she is happy in her spiritual practice in her life and that Madhu also receives the strength that's required to endure and to go forward uh, with yeah, all the wonderful happiness that he already has currently and sharing that with his mother as much as possible and with the rest of his family and all of his closest, nearest and dearest. So yeah, we're, we're praying for you, Madhu. We are fully, fully, fully behind you. Yeah? I appreciate it. I love you, man. Uh, question number three. In short, what legacy would you like to leave behind in this world? If he could do it, I could do it too. <laughs> Hold it, more. What do you mean? <laughs> that makes no sense. It's like, if some like... Punk, if you can do it, I want to do if, it too. If Madhu can do it, oh, like I that. can do it too. Oh, like if that, some like little that. punk yeah. from like Southern California with like no education, no this, that, the other, who came from nothing who has like a reading disability and who has like all of these things against him. If he could do it, I can easily do it. Beautiful. That's the idea is it's like, nothing special about me. I just listen. I listen to good teachers mm. and you can do it too. Mm. Not suggesting I'm a good teacher, but I get you in touch with some good teachers out there. Go and see my for good teachers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, question number, what were we up to? Question number four, something you used to deeply value, but don't value as much anymore. Uh, praise. Really? Yeah, it's kind of a validation. I always wanted to be, you know, did I do it okay? It was good. You liked it? <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> if you liked it, she liked it. Um, who cares? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm over it. It's not like yeah. I don't appreciate yeah. proper appreciation, right. proper validation. Um, but, you know, it's like the dogs will bark, but the train don't stop. Oh. And I, why would I want validation from someone whose opinion actually doesn't matter to me? I have a few people in my life, and what they say goes. If they mad, I'm bummed. If they happy, I'm stoked. Everyone else, I'm like, you don't like it? That's sad. It's sad that Sorry. I can't, like, I'm not the one sent to help. Yeah. Cool. Like, but, but that doesn't mean you can't find help elsewhere? Exactly. Every pot has its lid. Straight up. Every pot has its lid. I ain't your lid. No problem. I ain't might be able lid. to help you find a lid, though. I'm learning American slang here. <laughs> I ain't your lid. <laughs> you see me in London. I ain't your lid, you know? Straight up, bro. All right, at number five, this is the last one. If you could create one law that everyone has to follow, what would it be? Oof. If I could create one law that yep. everyone in the world had to follow, mm -hmm. I'd call it the one bite rule. Let me preface by saying my aunt had this thing when I was a kid called the one bite rule. I couldn't say no to the meal, unless I took one bite from each of the di each of the preparations. Her whole thing was like, you don't, because I'm, and I remember as a kid, she said, it's a one bite rule, you just gotta take one bite of everything. If you don't like it, then you don't have to, but you, you have to take a bite. 
And so in the same way, I call it the one bite rule that everyone has to try on for size what I would call authentic spiritual values. Or in other words, the philosophy that you and I are practicing and trying to test to. Um, and specifically that is you use a trying on for size, the hat of there is a triple OG, a divine source that is not only all loving, wants the best for you, all powerful can do the best for you and all knowing knows what's best for you. And if you attune yourself through sacred connection, like chanting, which means div welcoming divinity in through sound, because the unlimited is unlimited. The absolute is absolute. The idea of saying divinity is non different than welcoming divinity. Just by trying on these practices where you're welcoming a, this type of divine connection in, it's the one bite rule. You don't like it? No problem. Just like, I didn't want to eat those peas. But I was eating them like, this is pretty good. These are pretty good. He's no bad. So I call it by one law. It's one, like one bite rule. Thank you so much, Madhu. I really appreciate this time together, this conversation. I appreciate that we're doing this under the pretense of friendship, that we're close friends and, and you know, I feel like we're on a path together where we're sharing the same message in different countries in a similar way. And uh, long may that continue. You know, I really value, deeply value. If you like this conversation, dear folks, please, please, I'll say it again for good emphasis, please give it a share, drop us a comment, share this with the world, re-listen to it. Tell me what you want to know more about. Give me some hints and some suggestions about what kind of guests you want on. I'd love to try and make this podcast a good service to every single listener. And um, can't wait to see you on the next one. For soul's sake, peace out. Namaste. If you love this episode, you'll love my interview with Keshava Swami on serving others and how our life gets ironed out in the process. Go check it out. When I have managed to find that selflessness, that sense of it's really not about me, but I'm really here as a servant to give, then I found two things happen. The first thing is that our ability to actually really serve others um, just expands exponentially.